0: Good morning, everyone. Wednesday, August 17, Big Sports Breakfast, Sky Sports Radio. A very good morning to you, wherever and however you are listening. And you heard the dulcet tones of JR, Jamie Rogers, back in the house here at uh, Big Sports Breakfast Central Commentary Position. And we'll have a good catch up with her uh, after the 6.30 news this morning in about an hour's time and get the rundown on the trip and the success of spending 12 and a half hours oh, on the stroke in the water pup morning oh, to you, mate.
1: morning boys morning to our listeners Loz and I just sorting out our headphones um, yeah I, oh, jr what a freak unbelievable performance um, yeah I'm sure she's uh, I'm sure she got a few stories but I, yeah I I couldn't I can't even imagine the train like the preparation for it just to spend that amount of time in the water. Is yeah, mm. is not for me. And then uh, the swimming at night, the
0: fear of sharks,
1: freezing cold. No, thank you very much. Yeah, better
0: her than me. With something of that endurance, like give me something for say six months, maybe max to prepare for, like a marathon. Or when, when I
1: yeah on land where I yeah. can see what I am doing and know what's under my feet, I am more chance of trying mm. that than
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Middle of the ocean, yeah. pitch black. All I can think of is sh- I think <laughs> about sharks in the bath. So can you imagine me <laughs> night time in the ocean? That's uh, that's probably my greatest fear.
0: Mate, they're just toys, Kelsey Lee's toys. Yeah, okay. yeah. I know. <laughs>
1: don't worry, I'm checking. I check the pool before I dive in.
0: Uh, Laws of morning.
2: Morning, boys. Um, I um, yeah, I don't think I could have prepared for a English Channel swim. I'm flat out swimming 200 meters in a mm. an Olympics. The narc reckons he's
1: got it covered. He reckons walk in a park,
2: the narc. Yeah, it's yeah, like City to Surf, city he thinks. City to Surf, yeah. yeah. Very Simple. similar, very similar. Mm. Not sure how, but very similar in his mind. Yeah, it's not my go, boys. Mm. certainly not mine. Yeah, you any good, are you a good swimmer? No, no, okay. I'm a land person. Okay. Mm. I, I, when I swim, I, I use all upper body. Don't, I don't use, don't my kick. You use the kick? Well, I, I, I don't, no, I don't yeah, kick. Okay. You know, like if I swim, say, 200 metres, I'd get out and I'd feel... Heavy chest. Heavy chest, yeah. Arms, just a, like all shoulders. Just bench arm. press for an hour. What, yeah. <laughs> like the legs? Nothing. Little chicken legs.
0: <laughs> there you go. Breaking news, fellas, from the UK. or well, from the Super League. Uh, and we mentioned this story uh, at the end of yesterday's show. Corey Norman, who's playing for Toulouse over there in the UK Super League at the moment, has been found guilty of what is a grade F charge of contrary behaviour and had an eight-match ban, give it to him, and a 500-pound fine. How do you get eight matches and then just throw a 500-pound fine on it as 500, well? 500,000 or 500? 500 pounds. As so, $1,000?
1: Well th-
0: yes. What? And yet you get eight weeks as well. It $500,000. What is
1: that? That's what the fine like should be.
0: Administrational costs for, Sticking. for the governing body or something. But uh, that's for putting his finger oh in, uh, well, basically, around an opponent's backside. And Los, when you look at the vision, it doesn't look. It really looks like he just sort of. And his agent came out yesterday and said that you know he's it was an accident that his hand ended up in an unfortunate position, and I tend to sort of believe that and agree with that. But then what, what, he's
2: getting up, sort of looks like he's having a chuckle. I thought he must have known the guy yeah, I and it was mates. a bit of a joke. Mm. It, it's not like the John Hopewadi yeah. one where. We all know what happened there. But this one seemed like he just sort of put his hand around. He shouldn't have done it, by the way, but I I thought he must have known the guy, and it was a bit of a joke between two people. But
1: You got up laughing, didn't he?
2: Yeah, and then he got called out, and then the next thing you know, he's been put on report, and he now faces eight weeks on the sideline. And I I, I don't know what was going through his head. You'd have to ask Corey, but I, I didn't think it looked as bad as... What I was expecting. Okay, apparently
0: uh, Oliver Holmes, who plays for Warrington, was the person on the receiving end, the player on the receiving end, and uh, apparently they were in a running battle during the game. So, uh, yeah, he got to this.
1: Surely he hasn't. If if he's meant that, then he deserves every bit of his eight weeks. If he's actually done that on purpose, like what's his agent saying that he didn't know his hand was there?
0: Well, yeah, just a bit of an accident. Yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway, so there you go. That's the breaking news from the UK. Also, this morning, uh, your old mate Ricky Stewart got, walks back into the
2: Raiders HQ, 8am. Yeah, a big game this weekend for the Raiders. They're going to win their remaining three to keep their season alive. But, uh, yeah, Ricky would have done it tough at home the last seven days. Uh, but he would have prepared himself to walk in there this morning and talk to his players and... Reassure them that he's okay and reassure everybody that we need to keep winning games of football if we want to play finals. Um, the thing about uh, the teams in front of the Raiders at the moment, they all play each other. Um, so there is an opportunity there for the Raiders to sneak into the top eight. Um, they haven't got the best for and against, but you know Ricky would have been proud of the way they played on the weekend, although the result towards the end of the game, uh, or the play towards the end of the game, sorry – uh, would have had him concerned. He would have been thinking, oh, no, not again. Uh, the Faders are, are back mm. in town. But they hung on. They did a good job. And now they move on to Newcastle this weekend. And with all the drama going on there at Newcastle, you would think that they will galvanise and come out and be hard to beat. So the Raiders have to travel to Newcastle. So while on paper it might like uh, look like an easy two points for Canberra, I don't think it will be because I think the Knights will, will rally and show something this weekend.
0: Yeah, Stuart told uh, Denny Widler on Nine News last night that uh, says the whole incident is behind him now in regards to what happened in the post-match media conference of that game against the Panthers and his comments about Jamin Semon. He says he would have handled it differently. Uh, he added that he didn't need the week off, by the way, and that... The Raiders should have won by more against the Dragons, which we spoke about, obviously,
2: on Monday, Loz, that, yes, they should have won by
0: more, but we could
2: feel it coming. Yeah, you could. But at (laughs) the end of the day, they got the two points, or they get the two points, and they they move forward, and they've got to take on Newcastle. And Newcastle is still dealing with the fallout from the Kurt Mann toilet incident. Uh, They had a press conference here yesterday with the general manager of footy, um, Peter Parr, uh, talking about how... Uh, they're unsure of what may happen at this stage we're led to believe though that both players have been drug tested um so we'll get a bit more information in the next 24 hours what that test will reveal whether it'll be positive or whether it'll be a negative or um you know they're talking to the integrity unit about what happened inside the cubicle and what happened that night um but kailan ponger there's been questions about his leadership and whether that should be taken from him, uh, the Newcastle Knights are saying that they're working through a process at the moment and there has been no um, decision made on the outcome of Kurt Mann and Caelan Ponga, although they have made a decision on Bradman Best and Anari Juwali because they are both been stood down for being late for a bus on Sunday
0: morning. There you go. So uh, they're starting to draw the line with some standards, it seems, they lots. Probably long overdue by the sounds yeah, of it. Yeah, well, let's see
1: if they do it with their biggest fish. Mm. Let's see if they've got the courage to do it with Ponga. It's okay to do it with the, you know, the lesser player or not the, not the biggest fish in the team. If you want to set an example and create a culture, then do it with the heavy. That's how you set a standard. Mm. So, And again, even this, like drug test them now. If, it's, you know, if they have taken something, that substance could be out of their system in 24 hours. So doing a drug test four days later is a waste of time. You know, it comes back clear. What do they do? They go and say, yep, see, we weren't doing drugs in the toilet. there's done nothing wrong. Cale and Ponga, we had two drinks, not 25 drinks. Play on. Like, this is why the public and the fans laugh. Because they're like, mate, you're hiding information or you're selling a story or you're not telling the truth or you think we're dumb. Like, yeah. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Here I go.
0: Yep. Uh yeah, three days later they've been. I am trying to think. Yeah. So Saturday was the indiscretion. Yeah, Sunday. Yep, yeah, three days after. So, but the players reportedly maintain that uh, you know essentially they've done nothing wrong. Yeah,
1: and again, that's the other thing. There is no camera in a toilet or in a cubicle, so you know you don't know what you don't know. Hmm. So at the end of the day, people can we can all assume, but you're guilty uh, innocent until proven guilty. I guess.
0: Uh, test cricket tonight, Clarkey. England and South Africa. Uh, over at Lords, James Anderson, Mm -hmm. 40 years of age, playing uh, in a Test match. Amazing, Officially 40 years of age. But uh, it'll be one just to keep an eye on, I guess, for us, considering we've got South Africa at home here this summer. They're top of the World Test Championship table at the moment as well. And naturally, we've got a series in England, an Ashes series in 12 months' time. So Mm. it'll be one just to keep an eye on for Aussies. I I think it's good to see... Fans. Anderson and
1: Broad back in that team, for sure. And, and I, like I've said before, I think playing in their own backyard, they're still very good and they should be selected. I don't think they're going to have the impact um, on overseas tours like they used to in the past. They're both bowling just a little bit slower. There's probably not as much movement out away from home. So, um, yeah, I would expect both of them to have success against South Africa over there and then also be a part of that Ashes series when Australia goes to England. I think it'd be very different. If England were coming here, then you might see someone like this. Might, this could have been Anderson's last series. Mm. But with an Ashes series not far away in England, I think you'll see them take part in that as well. But, uh, yeah, his record's phenomenal, Anderson. Certainly in England. Mm. As good as any English bowler. Um, so many wickets, class. Um, yeah, always tough to play against.
0: Fellas, an incredible fall from grace for, for Brett Finch. Obviously, former footy player played for New South Wales, pled guilty yesterday to one count of sharing child abuse material. Six other charges were withdrawn. He's staring it up to 15 years in jail. That's the maximum penalty for the offence in which he was, uh, well, the charge that he pled guilty with. Uh, 40 years of age, he blames drugs and mental health issues when sharing fantasies on an app and he'll be sentenced next month. Yeah, mate. I'm stunned.
2: Very much stunned. I sort of can't comprehend that he'd be doing something like that. Um, But you know, it's it's not great. It's terrible. And you know, he's pleaded guilty to it. Um, I know his uh, parents very well. uh, Great people, uh, Robert and Debbie, um, and Brett. You know, he's fallen off a cliff. He is just gone downhill, um, and. You know, I, I just I can't get my head around why, how, what was going on in, inside his head. I, I no. just can't explain it. But it's something that no one um, ever wants to see or ever wants to be a part of and to be involved in it. It's, yeah, it's, it's terrible. Yeah.
0: Back page, Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, Pong and Man drug tested as two Knights stood down. As Loz mentioned, more dramas there at the Knights yesterday. Bradman Best and Nari Tawala stood down for... Not meeting team standards. They were late for the team bus in Brisbane Sunday morning. And as for Caleb Ponga and Curtin Mann, who we told to leave a toilet cubicle in Newcastle on Saturday evening, well, that investigation is now with the NRL Integrity Unit. And as Loz mentioned, they've been drug tested uh, by the NRL. The results will remain confidential. Or, But if it is their second offence, I believe it's a 12-week suspension. So you would find out, started next year, considering those two players are essentially unavailable. Well, Kurt Mann could be back for the last round. He's got a quad injury at the moment. Caelan Ponga not playing due to concussion. So uh, you'd only have to look at the team lists early next year if they were to be uh, guilty of a second offence. I guess you'd be able to join the dots there. But as it stands, uh, results will not be known for the time being. The new director of football, Peter Parr, welcome to Newcastle. Uh, it says just because it's not a good look, it doesn't immediately mean somebody has done something wrong. He also conceded, though, Parr, there's been a lack of leadership around the playing group at Newcastle, and that's plainly
2: obvious. Yeah, we said that yesterday. Uh, there was a lack of leadership, and I think by default, Caelan being the best player ended up in that role. Um, but they obviously need to bring strong leaders to that club, and it needs to start in the front office, and Peter Parr from the Cowboys is now down there and I, I think he'll put his stamp on this football club. The other interesting thing for me yesterday was when he said, um, you know, he mightn't have... You know, he wasn't told that he that he couldn't drink and, you know, no penalty yet has been given. I would have just assumed that even though you mightn't have had a directive not to drink, if you're medically not right to continue to play... And if your club has a rule that says injured players are not allowed to drink while recovering, what what what's the difference? Yeah, well. If you're being stood down because you're not medically fit to play, mm. then you are treated like an injured, injured player. player. Yeah, definitely. So you you have broken the rule. Mm.
0: And as Clark, you mentioned, well, if they're going to rule a line under Bradman Best and Anari Tawala. And if they're going to rule
2: a line over Kurt Mann – who was drinking while he was injured? You've got to treat Kalen in 100%. that same boat, even if any, though he's, if, if, if he's been ruled harder, out. If anything for harder, the because he's their captain. He's yeah, and he's been ruled out for the season mm. because of head injuries. So that, that to me is an injury. So you treat them all the same,
0: mm-hmm.
2: because you, if you've got you know a policy in your club, you're not allowed to drink while you're injured. Well, Kalen falls under that category as well.
0: Some Sharks headlines on the back pages of the papers today as well. The Herald, Ron Measley, is the headline here. How about this? Ronaldo Mulatalo. He lives on an allowance of $350 a week, and the rest of his pay it's controlled by his mum. It's invested into the running of, well, as the Herald says here, Team Ronaldo, support staff. He's got a mind coach, a dietitian, financial advisor. There you go. Oh, Clark, he's hot. <laughs> imagine, Clark, imagine what? you being hot. Your mum says to you, you're getting $250. i am dealing with the rest.
1: That's what my mum used to do to my Good dad. Good
0: discipline. Well done, yeah. Team Ronaldo. And it will serve Ronaldo very well Maybe. in the long run. Who
1: knows? Who knows where the family's investing. My mum used to look after my banking, not when I was 30, but she worked in the Commonwealth Bank for 30 years at Teller. So she thought she knew everything about money, and she's the world's biggest tight ass. So <laughs> she was, I, I I think, when it was time for me to... Take my banking over. I remember my mum ringing me and seeing a bill on my credit card statement, ask me what that was from. It was a night out, and she's like, oh, "Where's this oh, money gone?" And I was like, "Excuse me, yeah. uh, okay, mum, I think we've worked out that it's time for me to look after my own money." Yeah, but... when your
0: parents start getting your bank statements. That's oh my a problem. God, yeah. <laughs> that's a big it's a problem.
1: Fraction, fraction scary, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Oh well, we're all on a budget, mido. You know. It's <laughs> just. At what age do you give yourself your own budget rather than your mum or your dad giving it to you?
0: How did it work when Loz was 18? Loz
1: has still got it, still gone. it's gone from mum to wife. <laughs>
2: Just moved from Canberra to June uh, E. Oh, sorry, from June E to Canberra. Uh, no, I wasted plenty in the early days. Yeah. <laughs> I burned through it. Hmm? Did if you have I, to make I, the... If I had money, everyone had money. Yeah. <laughs> make
0: the few phone calls home. Oh. Dad.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I churned through plenty, and then I had nothing. Mm. And looking back, now, mum and dad had nothing either. But they were always—they found a way. Found a way to mm. give you money yeah. to get you through. So I feel very lucky now. When it's yeah, at the time when you're eighteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, mm. and you're earning not a lot of money, and if you do have a bit of money in your pocket, you're spending it yeah. as quick as you get it because you don't want to miss out. The boys say we're
0: meeting here tonight oh, yeah. when you were 18, 19. Yeah. And when you you're think you've you you got a bit of
2: money, you're carrying on like you're someone yeah. and you're spending it very fast, really quickly. Yeah. You know.
1: How much is he on? 300 a week. 350 350 a week. Mate, see, there goes your phone bill. I went, <laughs> I went to Harris Farm the other day. <laughs> yeah, they, I bought about three things. Yeah, there goes your $75. $75. Mate, <laughs> what a rip. Go hey, to Parisi's. What a what joke. What a rip off. I know. Oh. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. good. Um,
0: what a whinge about it too. Good
1: work. If he can, if he can live off three hundred and fifty, I, I like his thinking. Yeah. Doing well.
0: Fits like a glove. Back page of the Daily Telegraph. I mean, Dean Bulldog Richie. Oh, he'll be happy with a back page today. I have a spring in his step when he walks in here. At missed 7 the Bulldog o'clock. actually. I've missed him. Well, he's coming up. Mm. Uh, the reality is, Craig will be here for twenty years, and the Cradellah chairman Steve Mace uh, <laughs> oh, believes that.
1: Full support of the board. or well, you go. The
0: reality is Craig will be here for 20 years is the direct quote from the Cronulla chairman. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, let, let, they, a, have, they could make the grand final. Oh, this Fitz, so, signed him on a
2: 20-year contract then. Fitzy's done an outstanding job. And I don't think he would want to hear that either. Mate. Because I, I think it was this year Phil Gardner from the Knights said, Adam <laughs> O'Brien's going to be here for the next 10 years. <laughs> he meant 10 days. <laughs> And in the space of, what, four or five months, oh, he looks yeah. like getting the sack. Oh, so you yeah. leave yourself open. Yeah. That's man. all. I, I mean, Fitzy's done a great job, and I'm sure he'll Brilliant. be there a long time, and it's a, it's a story. I, I, I get that. And Bulldog would have been continually asking him, how long is he going to be there? And then he's thrown out that, you know, the 20-year number. Uh, but I think, you know, Fitzy's done an outstanding job, and he will be there long term. You don't want to be saying 20 years.
0: I, I know it's going over the top, but there was something about that appointment and just looking at, you can just tell he has some sort of aura as a coach that, I don't know, I, I just always looked at it and thought, he's going to be a long-time career coach and probably there at the Sharks for a long time. Yeah, I know it can all change. Yeah, it all, everything can change I, I pretty quickly. That's
2: that's what I've learned. I think everyone hopes that's the everyone case Everyone hopes well. that's yeah. the case. Everyone yeah. wants to see young guys be very successful. Definitely. Everyone does. But you see how things can turn sour mm. very quickly. We've seen it recently. Yeah. We've seen it with Adam O'Brien. We've seen it with Anthony C. We've Barrett. seen it with Trent Barrett. We've seen it with Justin Holbrook. Yeah. You've just got to be able to be calm. And when you start to build your resume, not after one year, not after two, after five or six, then you can start talking about yeah. these coaches being – there for a long period because we all know things change very rapidly in this industry. As of today, they're my grand finalists with Penrith,
0: the Sharks. Sharks. Jeez, I'm Sharks. just very happy. Rocket with my, Rod from now? will be happy. I'm very happy with my top four bet from the start Sharks of the v Panthers yep. grand final. As of today, that could change, Clarky. In the next four <sighs> weeks, injuries, oh, etc. form, some teams so what, are coming, the Bunnies and the Roosters what, in particular.
1: What makes the Sharks more likely to make the GF than South
0: or Melbourne, for example? Just a very gritty team.
1: What's their run? What's their last Reliable. three games like?
2: No, they've got a good run home, the Sharks. Mm.
1: It's a big core Shark,
2: GF. Oh, they're as good a chance as any of the other remaining teams. I actually started to warm a little bit to, and I had them there at the start of the year. The Roosters. Roosters. Oh, they're coming. They are coming. Well, Big I, I, time. I looked at their team yesterday, and then I went through their injured list. And, you know, they've got a number of players out injured, but they've got Lindsay Collins and Sewa Takeoho yep. to come back in. look, you you not have two good mm. front rowers coming off mm. their bench in a semi-final. And you look at their back line with the strike they got. Right. Oh. Tedesco, who's going to Marnie, want to play them? Su- Su- Suwali, Akiri, Wa- Walker. But mm. they got some serious power to come back into that footy team.
0: Yeah, I've got them ahead of Souths at the moment.
2: Yeah, I-, I probably would. In fact, I'd only really have them as the- as my. If we're talking finals f- favourites mm. to-, to take on Penrith,
0: it's going to be a cracking final series. All of a sudden, many teams in the mix, yeah. which is great to see. Welcome back to the Big Sports Breakfast. We have Dick Fane coming up shortly. Souths and Penrith tomorrow night at a core stadium. The teams, of course, came out yesterday. And the market with Tab has the Bunnies sixty, the Panthers $2.35. Now, Latrell Mitchell has been named at fullback after he... Failed to finish training the other day and had ice on his groin, so he has been named. Naturally, it's going to be one to watch. They're always going to name him the Bunnies, but uh, Jason Demetrio, the coach, said, you know, everything will be sweet. Uh, But uh, I'll tell you what, you wouldn't want to be risking him if there is a niggle there. Lachlan Ilias is set to return. He had a back problem that kept him out of the Eels match last week. Uh, Good to see Campbell Graham back for the Bunnies. He had a fractured cheekbone a few weeks ago, so he's set to make his return, while Dylan Edwards is back after a sternum injury kept he out of the match against the Melbourne Storm last week. And Liam Martin looked like he was in all sorts. Well, he's been cleared to play. And named cleared to the play team. or
2: just named to play? Well, he's been named. Yeah, I think there's a difference between named okay. and cleared to play. I, I, look, anyone at this time of the year that's carrying an injury, I can understand if you're um, you know, battling for that eighth position or seventh or eighth position, you you can play them and... You know, you you need them in your footy team. But if you're someone like Liam Martin who's playing for Penrith and Penrith are sitting at the top of the competition table, you're really not going to risk him, are you? Mm. You're going to give him that time to recover. And I think I read somewhere that Dylan Edwards possibly could have played last weekend against Melbourne, but they erred on the side of caution. Uh, They've set their season up really well, Penrith. They start to get people back. Um, at the finals, you know, Cleary and Luai, and once, once they get back, they make a massive difference to this team. But, you know, South Sydney, I suppose it's a bit of a risk if Latrell plays and he's not 100% fit uh, because you don't want him to injure himself because if he injures himself, there's no chance of winning a grand final. But with him in that team, you just see the difference that he makes. South, though, they'll still be playing at Penrith side without Cleary, Luai, Taylor
0: May and James Fisher-Harris, and that is why they are favourites. And as Loz told us yesterday, it's the first time since round one. Is that right, Loz? Yeah, when
2: they, they played Manly. That's right. At Penrith Park too, by the way. But No Nathan Cleary. No Nathan Cleary for Penrith. And Tommy Turbo obviously coming off the back of the season that he had in 2021 when really he was to, unstoppable. Amazing to think now, is it? We can't believe that Penrith started the year underdogs as underdogs. Underdogs
0: Manly. And look at Manly now. Yeah. Disarray.
2: You know. Yeah, but a lot of people, at the start of the year, who, who was your grand finalist? Because I think mine were Penrith and the Roosters, and then I went off the Roosters, and then I thought Parramatta, and I've been on Parramatta for a while, but I've, 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 I i don't think they can get there now.
0: I think we did have Quinellas that we probably mm. don't want to revisit. I think mine was similar. I think I had the Roosters and the Eels.
2: I think I had the Roosters to win it. I think a lot
0: of us did. Roosters they they were the in-vogue team. team.
2: I think they were they league really favourites there at one stage. They were certainly best Second five, yeah. I don't know
0: if they were favourites, but they were in the market around 6 to $7, Bucks. about third favourite. Penrith and the Storm, I think, were always at the top of the market, but yeah. the Roosters were around next uh, because they had all those injuries last year. Yeah, they did and, so well. And did well considering.
3: Hello, Dick. Boys, I'm sorry I missed you last week. I was in the wilds of Alaska and I climbed the highest mountain to try to get sole reception and I still couldn't
0: get it. Gee, how... Uh, that, that's, that.
2: well, that's impressive, ding. Good, good effort. <laughs> good effort. <laughs>
0: and you survived. Outstanding. Uh, no, I appreciate it, mate. But uh, the NFL preseason, uh, what have you learned so far as we're, what, three weeks out from week one?
3: Well, I think the first answer to that question is not much uh but there are a couple of names that are that are jumping out uh quarterback position Trey Lance has looked very much the part of a starting quarterback uh, obviously you have to take that with a grain of salt because uh, a lot of times he's playing against uh, second teamers but you know he's he's doing a very nice job uh George Pickens uh, wide receiver for Pittsburgh played against my Seahawks this last week and just bullied him uh, looked very, very good, and uh, he, he should absolutely be in the rotation for the Steelers. And the question there is, who's going to be their starting quarterback? And there's no question who the Steeler fans want it to be, and that is the rookie Kenny Pickett. Uh, every time one of the other quarterbacks, uh, be it Mason Rudolph or anybody that was in there not named Kenny Pickett, basically threw an intercept or, or, or an incompletion, the crowd would boo. They would chant Kenny, and then when Kenny came in, he couldn't do anything wrong. So uh, that'll be very interesting. As you know, Pittsburgh Steelers fans are very, very passionate and they are hoping beyond hope that they have their quarterback of the future uh, that replaces Ben Roethlisberger and becomes a 15-year starter just like Big Ben.
0: What's going on with Tom Brady? Because he's been given leave over at Tampa Bay, hasn't he?
3: Yeah, some family leave, which I think is uh, just another indication of uh, you know the, the meaningless nature of preseason, particularly when you're a veteran. Uh, the more veteran you are, the more established you are, the less important preseason is. Preseason is very, very important for rookies. It's very, very important for guys that are on the bubble of making teams, on the bubble of becoming a starter or a backup. Those are really what preseason is for. But guys like Tom Brady, I mean, Tom can show up a couple of days before the regular season starts, and you know he's going to be ready to go.
2: I know that Deshaun Watson played a bit of time the other day, Dick, but I I don't think he received a a good reception off the off the crowd. But what's the what's the time frame on the NFL and uh, well, the time frame on the NFL working out whether they're going to win this appeal or not?
3: That's a great question. This it is. It has taken much, much longer than I thought it was going to take, and uh, you know the, the original decision uh, took much longer than I thought it was going to take. The appeal has taken much longer than I thought it was going to take, and so uh, uh, they're they're pushing for a full season. Uh, they may come up with something in the range of uh, of twelve games or so, uh, but the original uh, the original punishment is is not anything that the NFL wants to uh, wants to see. So uh, it has to be. It has to be done in the next week and a half. It absolutely has to. It cannot carry on to the regular season. I mean, the Browns need to know how many games their quarterback is suspended for officially. So oh. we will, without question here, uh, by, the, by the week prior to their first game, we will definitely, that's, that's the drop-dead date. So we're talking a week and a half. That's Wait. the absolute drop-dead date and when we're going to hear something about Deshaun Watson. And you mentioned he wasn't, he wasn't treated very nicely, but he was also on the road, too. I think he was, wasn't he in New York? I'm trying to remember, I think he might have been in New York. So uh, you know how those fans are going to treat uh, treat anybody that has uh, a rap sheet, that's for sure, or, or anybody that's accused of having a rap sheet.
0: Uh, the New England Patriots uh, is the Bill Belichick era losing steam in a big way. I'm looking at their season win total. It's set at eight and a half here with Tab, the over and under. Oh, They just have no weapons, do they? To help Mac Jones this season, and they don't even know who's going to be calling the plays for him.
3: That's exactly right. Uh, they have non-dynamic running backs. Uh, they're, they're fine, you know, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. I mean, they're, they're they're fine. They're they're nothing special. Their wide receiver core is absolutely nothing special, and their quarterback's nothing special. Um, I think the I think the Patriots are going to try to win football games kind of similar to the other future hall of fame coach uh, that is coaching right now without a quarterback. And that's here in Seattle. I'm at the practice facility right now. I'm about ready to walk in to find out who's going to be the starting quarterback. They Hmm. might even name it as soon as today. And, you know, you've got Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick two established great hall of fame caliber coaches. You know, Belichick has obviously accomplished more than Carroll, but they're both uh, tremendous. They're both defensive minded. And they're going to try to win games the same way this year. And that is take care of the ball Punting is not a bad play. Um, Do not turn the ball over and let your defense put you in a position where you can win a low-scoring game at the end. That is going to be how Seattle has to win. That's going to be how New England has to win. But I don't see either one of them making the playoffs this year.
1: Dick, what about in the golfing world? Where are we at? Live Tour versus PGA.
3: Oh, boy, oh, boy. Well, today's news is that uh, Tiger Woods, is on the prowl, meeting with uh, oh most, if God. not all. No way. The top twenty golfers, yeah, top twenty golfers, and uh, he's going to try to, you know, basically bring some solidarity as the live continues <sighs> to pluck guys away. It looks like Cameron Smith is going to be that next guy, and uh, the the more guys that live plucks, the the stronger it becomes. And I think the PGA's only hope is that the world rankings points. And also the majors decide that live players cannot participate because if the majors say that live players can participate, honestly, guys, what is the reason for a Cameron Smith? If indeed he officially goes to live and hit the ball on the live tour, what is the reason for him to come back to the PGA tour? If he can get paid tens, if not, you know, a hundred million dollars on the live tour and play in the four majors, what else does the guy need?
0: In uh, the NBA, we've just got a question here on the text line. Morning, lads. Quick question for Dick Fane. With the NBA retiring the number six jerseys, and this is for the late, great Bill Russell, isn't it? Why did LeBron get the special treatment when he has never worn the number six jersey? I think he did at one point, didn't he? He But Bart's sending that one through.
3: Yeah, he wore the number six originally. Um, You know, this happened in baseball as well uh, with Mariano Rivera, who was uh, the greatest closer in in baseball history, pitched for the Yankees for, gosh, almost 20 years. Um, Jackie Robinson's number was retired, I want to say, 15 to 20 years ago, ago, somewhere in there, and Mariano Rivera was grandfathered in and was allowed to wear 42 until he retired. So he became the, the last person ever to win 40, uh, wear 42. Uh, and then once he retired, then no one was able to wear it, uh, wear it again. So I'm assuming that's uh, kind of the same situation.
0: And uh, Kevin Durant, what's the latest here as far as uh, where he'll end up next season?
3: It's looking less and less like Brooklyn. I mean, when you've got a guy in in Kevin Durant that continues to overstep his bounds as a player. I mean, I understand star players should have some say. Um, We had that situation with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson wanted more say in Seattle than he was getting in personnel. Kevin Durant certainly wants way more say in personnel. He's, he's, I mean, almost to the level of LeBron where he's just trying to pick players. Uh, The only difference is, LeBron doesn't have spats with his general manager and with his owner and with his head coach. And Kevin Durant's gone so far as to say it's either them or me. And you either get rid of Steve Nash. You either get rid of Sean Marks, the GM or you trade me. And it's just, it's a real toxic situation. And it's really unfortunate because Kevin Durant has put himself into this position. Kevin Durant had an opportunity to be a beloved figure in the NBA. Um, 10, 15 years running, being second best player in the NBA next to LeBron James, and he would have gone down in history as a beloved figure. And yet, he has just continually, whether it's his, you know, burner accounts on Twitter that get exposed, him lashing out on his own social media sites against, you know, media members or fans that are criticizing him, and now this, basically demanding a trade if his coach or GM is is kept on. I mean, it's just a really bad look for Kevin Durant. And it's really unfortunate because his career didn't have to end this way. Not that, And, and maybe it won't end, end this way. Maybe he'll turn things around. Maybe he'll land in a, in a better place. Maybe he'll mature over the last five or six years of his career and be beloved in the end. But right now, he is not a beloved figure in the NBA.
0: Just finally, Dick, in the Major League uh, San Diego, the Padres, uh, how have they been going since acquiring Juan Soto? And they've had some drama, haven't they, big time with Uh-oh. Fernando Tatis?
3: Man. Absolutely. So they require Juan Soto, which was the biggest move by far at the trade deadline and, and arguably the biggest acquisition in the history of the Major League Baseball trade deadline, uh, getting a mega star um, that they're going to have for double-digit years and then for Fernando Tatís Jr. Uh, I mean we we've, we've all heard these excuses before for steroids, right? I'm sure you've had plenty of steroids issues in Australia where you heard all the excuses under the sun of why the, this might be the best, guys. This is great. This evidently was a, a spray that you used to treat ringworm and according to Fernando Tatís's dad, who also was a major league baseball player, it was a bad haircut that led to the ringworm inf- infection that led to him using this spray. Well, it's been exposed now that the spray, one, you can't even buy it in the United States. It's not approved by the FDA. And two, it says right on the box, you can look it up on Twitter, it says right on the box, clobidazole or whatever the name of the steroid is. So it, it's it's basically saying on the box, it has a steroid in it. And yet he uses it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, okay, he's either a cheater or he's an idiot, and probably a little of both.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not bright. Not bright at all. Uh, we might get you to give us your NFC division winners next week, Dick, as we look towards the oh, NFL season. Is that too early? I, I just figured you'd probably have, lose less sleep over that than the AFC, which uh, looks a real toss-up.
3: Yes, I can give you the NFC next week. That shouldn't take me too much time researching. Then I'm really I'm gonna once we go to the AFC, I'm gonna have to really dig into my research.
0: Yeah, thought as much. In fact, just quickly, we got a couple of questions here. Clearly, Chicago Bears fans asking how they'll fare. Oh, it's going to be grim, isn't it?
3: Well, it all depends on Justin Fields, guys, um, and and like it does in the NFL. I mean, if you have a quarterback, and, and Justin Fields certainly has the potential. We haven't seen it yet, but. He has the potential to be a top half of the NFL starting quarterback, and maybe eventually he's got the potential to be a top eight or ten starting quarterback. He's certainly there, not there yet, but if he has a top half of the NFL starting quarterback season, the Bears can definitely challenge in that division for a playoff spot. Now, Green Bay is better than Chicago, Minnesota is better than Chicago, but Chicago's close enough that if, if Justin Fields has a, a good to very good year, they could at least be right around 500 and be knocking on the door for a playoff spot at the end of the season.
0: We'll leave you today, Dick, with this text from one of our listeners. Morning, boys. Please tell Dick my wife loves his voice, thinks it's very sexy. <laughs>
3: Well, so there's one woman in the world. I appreciate, I appreciate that. And you know what? I love that. I love that text because I'm going to go home and tell my wife just that. I'm say, you know what? Somebody out there thinks my voice is sexy.
0: You do that, mate. Thanks so much as always. <laughs> See you, boys. Fellas, grand final decision going to be announced today, apparently, a commission meeting.
2: Oh, it's on nice edge too. <laughs> oh,
0: what, if I'm a betting. Well, the News Corp press today, 60-40, they're saying. Queensland, Brisbane again, juicy day ahead.
2: Oh, juice! Yeah, see, I I like it in Sydney. I I just like the fact that it's always been here, except for last year. And I know, you know, traditionally years ago it was at the SCG, and then they moved it to the Footy Stadium, and now out to to Homebush. But I've even when I towards the back end of my career. We started playing home semi finals. Hmm. For me, it never felt right playing a home semi final. I always loved the fact that we had to travel to Sydney to play a semi, and it always felt like a big game. When you ran out at the football stadium, you knew it was finals time. When we were playing at home in a semi final, it just didn't have that same feel. You're up for it, but it just didn't feel like a final. And I know times have changed, but I'm still a believer in. Mm. I don't like the home finals. I, I reckon it should be always played. This is me just thinking out aloud here. I, I think it should always be played in in Sydney, the yeah. grand final and the semi-finals.
0: There you go. Mm. I don't mind the first week of the finals played in, as it's done. The first mm. week you, you play at your home ground if you if you're one of those teams that's. I like. But I think you got to play like at a big
2: you've... stadium too. You got to like if you got a Suncorp yeah. Stadium. Or, mm. I can understand week one of a finals being played there.
0: But by week two, it's home region, isn't it? So you do end up at the big stadiums yeah. pretty quickly.
2: But, but grand finals, I, I love the fact. I just loved semi-finals being played in Sydney, and we travelled down, and it just felt like a final. If you were at home, it just felt like a big game,
1: mm.
2: a big home game. Whereas a semi-final, you knew something was brewing when you had to come to Sydney. I suppose, you know, for out of towners like us, we were thinking that's where all the big games sure. are won. Mm. You know, if you're here in Sydney, it doesn't really matter because you're exposed to these grounds all the time. We never got to play at the Sydney Football Stadium all the time. But it just felt like it was a big game. Mm.
0: Yeah, I, look, I'm a supporter of the Super Bowl concept. Um, I, I don't... Like, people go on about tradition. You can't tell me there is a mystique to a core stadium. There's not. It's a great stadium. It was great for the Olympics. But it's only been there since 1999. Mm.
2: No, yeah, that, that's a fair call. And mm. the grand finals, as I said, it used to be yeah. at the SCG. And, but I, I like the fact it's it's here in, in Sydney. And I, I, mm. I don't know whether it's because I live here now. <laughs> but I, I as a player, it used to be very special coming to Sydney because you knew you were involved in a big game. When you were at home playing, it just felt like a big game. But when you came to Sydney, you run down that tunnel at the footy stadium You just felt like, here we are. This is the big stage, boys.
0: Uh, This morning, there's Champions League qualification matches. First leg, Rangers up against PSV. Probably the tie of note, and it is 2-2. And that's at Ibrox. 81 minutes gone in that match. Plenty of games in the championship as well. In uh, the UK this morning, uh, getting towards the end of those games, the likes of uh, Birmingham and Watford 1-1. Bristol City leading Luton 2-0. Burnley and Hull 1-1 as well. Norwich have beaten Huddersfield 2-1. Some of your results there. Joining us in the studio, though, none other than Jamie Rogers, post-swim.
4: Hey, guys. It's Welcome back. back. Two legs, two yeah, arms, I'm, I'm fingers, toes. I'm in one toes. piece. Yep, <laughs> still in one piece. Although, Clarky, yeah, I thought of you oh, man. after the channel because one thing I've said this whole time was that there's no sharks in the English channel. So yeah. you don't think about it. When it was pitch black, it didn't cross my mind. And then after, my pilot had said to my friends on the boat, oh, don't tell her now, but someone got bitten last week. <laughs> so oh there was, and because the water is getting warmer, they are expecting more sharks to be coming into the English <laughs> Channel. But I didn't know that at the time. Thank God. But I didn't get bitten or even stung. I actually was quite lucky. I was dodging all these enormous jellyfish. Like these things were huge. I have never seen anything so big. Mm. So I was quite lucky to not get stung.
2: And you did it under the time that you set yourself? It was a 13-hour. You wanted to do it under 13 hours. Yeah, so what did you end up doing it twelve and a
4: half 12 and a half hours, which was probably a would have probably gone faster to have my shoulder not been such a huge issue. So in the last three hours, my right shoulder just completely gave way, which has not happened to me this entire time that I've been training. My hip flexors were always a really big issue, and I worked a lot with my physio on that part of my body, and they were fine. Didn't even cause a slight problem. My back was fine. Everything else was fine. But my right shoulder just absolutely was excruciating every single stroke for about three hours. And then to make it even worse was that I had to sprint for the last hour. But in my head, I just kept telling myself, you know a good shoulder surgeon and you've got a great physio, so just <laughs> keep swimming. Even if you have to hold your arm to get back, just keep swimming and put your head down and sprint and Crazy. get to the end.
1: How much money did you end up raising, Jamie? Forgot you for
4: life. $75,000, which was just unreal. amazing because I set the target at 50000 And yeah. I thought back then when I set that, that that was a – a huge amount of money yeah. and to exceed that to 75000 was just so incredible and was definitely a highlight of this whole entire English Channel journey yeah, was sure. the amount of money that's been raised for Got You For Life. So I was so grateful to everyone that got behind them. Yeah, it's awesome. just such an important charity and, and one that we need to keep talking and about. And you jumped
2: in the water at 3 o'clock in the morning yes. and they didn't actually explain to you <laughs> no. the start and how it happens. No. And can you run us So this was that? one
4: thing... When I talk about my swim, this was probably the worst part because I, I didn't really know about this. So when you, I got picked up from the docks, it was quarter past two in the morning when I met my pilot and you get into a boat and you go out to Sandfire Ho, which is about a 20 minute boat ride. And that's the official starting point. It's in between Dover and Folkestone. And it's literally pitch black, like you cannot see a thing. And my pilot shines this torch and says to me, just follow that light just follow the light and you'll eventually reach the shore. And I said to uh, him, sorry, what? And he said, just, just follow the light. And I was thinking to myself, I have really bad sense of direction when I can see, mm. let alone when I have absolutely, and I don't know the area as, as well. So and anyway, I, there's a video of me just jumping off the side of the boat into pitch blackness, swimming towards the light. And it was only supposed to be 50 metres. And like 50 metres should rich, literally take 35 seconds. But for me, all of a sudden I had this panic of, oh my gosh, I've been in here for way more than 35 seconds Mm. and I can't see anything and I don't know if they can still see me. I did have flashing green lights on, so they would have been able to, but in my head I was thinking – Oh, my gosh, oh, what if I go off course? No one will know where I am. Anyway, I eventually did wash up onto the rocks of Samphire Ho. You know how they have those pebbly mm. beaches? Yeah. Um, enough to put my hands up, and then that's the official start now, time.
0: How annoying you got to swim to the stars? I've got enough yeah. swimming to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
4: and then you turn around and swim back, and then Man. that's the official start.
0: Hmm. Um, Crazy. Was that pub eventually open to go and put your name on the wall?
4: You know, a really disappointing... Result of all of this was no, but my friend ended up putting my <laughs> writing my name on my behalf because it was closed every time that I would go. And the, the thing, I guess, just with that area in Dover and Folkestone, was they're like, eh, I don't know when I'll be open, eh, no idea. That that was the response from people. And I kept say, but I've got to go. I'm like, yeah.
2: eh, How did you no celebrate? Idea.
4: So I went to a champagne bar. I should clarify. So when everyone said, "What are you going to be doing? How are you going to celebrate?" I had intended to go out and have drinks, but without being too gross, because I'm aware that this is breakfast radio, my tongue was so horrifically covered in blisters that I couldn't actually eat or drink things properly for about a week. It's actually only really just now starting to feel a bit normal. So Mm. yeah, so I literally was just eating things like yogurts and could hardly drink anything other mm. than water because it would sting. So why, why Was that go, from the salt? The salt. I had oh. absolutely no voice for about 24 hours after the swim. It was just this like little squeak because the salt water affects your vocal cords and your tongue. Oh my God. So I did know that my tongue would have issues because I had done those eight hour swims mm. previously and it would swell up from that as well. And you have mouthwash during it. So that's supposed to help it a little bit. Um, that I wasn't expecting it to be as bad The old as Betadine it throat gargle,
1: widow. <laughs> Get a bit of that in there yeah. as in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> you got to gargle for 30 seconds with a Betadine. Oh. Yeah,
4: so I oh did celebrate. Man. We went to this really nice like champagne bar at the end of Folkestone, which is underneath this beautiful lighthouse, and there are photos of me smiling there with my champagne, but the reality was I literally would have yeah. a sip and it would be stinging my mouth. So it was just nice to just sit there and look over the English Channel. and
2: And, and when you actually reach... The shoreline Mm -hmm. of of France uh, was it everything you expected to be, or was it a little bit deflating? Like, well, where are people? There's no one else here. Now I have to jump back into the water and get out of it.
4: Exactly as you said, Lodge. Because I had a friend who was also swimming at a similar time to me. She was one of the uh, Vlad swim crew that I would swim with every Saturday. So she was, but she was on a different. Track really, so she finished on the shores. So she swam into the beautiful beach. Was walk? She said she took time to walk along the sand and really soak it all in. For me, I landed on the rocks, um, which was sort of it it was a good spot. But the problem was I had to then climb out Mm. to find a flat rock to be able to clear the water. But it meant because the waves were so choppy and hectic, I literally had five seconds. And there was no one around. Often when swimmers come into the French coastline, there's at least people along there that are cheering or waiting at the water yeah. for you. Nothing. Because I was in a really weird spot. There were no other why boats around. Why can't you around. do it, I don't understand why you can't
1: <laughs> do it together. Like, why can't more than one person, like you're saying your friend was there and did it at the exact same time. Why, yeah. why can't you do it? Beside each other,
4: so her pilot took her just on a, a different course. Yeah, okay. Um, and mine. So they he dictate said, where you, yeah, where, yeah. Very line. much so. There okay. would often be times where I'd have my head down and I'd be swimming, and I could hear them yelling out to me because I've gone off to the left, and they've gone off to the right. Yeah, okay. And my pilot said he tends to go down more towards the bottom part of the French coastline, and a lot tend to more go to sort of the left side, and that's where the beach okay. is versus me where you can see in this video my friend was holding a drone and you could see I was just trying to find like where do I scramble out onto the rocks to mm. be able to get out yeah. of this. So I literally had five seconds and put my hands up and then there was luckily though a little dinghy had come to collect me so I didn't have to swim back to the boat because oh some God. people do. So at least I had oh. that and then the dinghy took me back the are, 400 are you, metres. Are
1: you freestyle the whole way? Are you, yeah. are you changing stroke? Or are no, you, what are so you could you probably
4: do um, – backstroke for me is my worst stroke anyway, so I wouldn't want to do that because yeah. I'd be drifting off yep. miles behind the boat. So I just did freestyle the whole time, and then you, you do eggbeater kick while yeah, you're okay. treading water, while you quickly have your feet, Something but that, yeah. you do have to tick – at the start, when you register for the English Channel, what stroke you are going to be doing for the whole time. So some people do it in butterfly, which I think is just oh, incredible. What? Yeah. Oh. A guy not too long ago did the whole Yorkie. thing in butterfly. So all that it's sort of mad. stuff you do think about while you're swimming. And the other thing I couldn't get past was the amount of people that then swim back. So as you know, like the Chloe McArdles who do three laps or
2: oh
4: a lady called Sarah Thomas holds the record of four laps. And I think, God, how do these people turn around and swim back? I was just happy with my one
2: lap. So if you swim back, Is that classified then as two English – two traditional swims? Yeah, that's two. So you
4: do your double crossing. So you have two two swims.
0: These pilots, Mm -hmm. like are they just sort of like private – I don't know – Boat owners who just do it as a hobby, I suppose. Yeah, or, it's actually
4: or... really sweet. So a lot of the bit like
0: the golf caddies just hang around. Yeah, yeah well, jump on my boat, yeah, jump on my yeah. boat.
2: Kind <laughs> of, it's actually really cute because
4: in, they're all handed down through the generations. The license to have the English Channel Association. So on my boat, it was the grandpa, the son, and the grandson. And that's how it works. They all just Mm. keep passing it on through the generations because there's not a lot you have to apply to get a license through the English Channel Association. So with my group, there's five. And then there was another organization that have four boats. So there's not a huge amount that can go out there. And that's why they then just pass these licenses on through the families. it's actually very sweet. And then they go on, you know, they're fishermen on the side. My guy goes and gets crabs and... Yes, they've got their fisherman life on the side as well.
0: Did your tracker tell you exactly how far you swim?
4: No. So I didn't realize this until after, but they actually have no way of documenting unless you wear your watch, which I wasn't allowed to do because my swimming coach doesn't want us to know how far we've gone or how far you have to go. Um, and my friend kept saying to my pilot, but surely you can just track that on your computer that you're watching GPS, goes. Surely. Yeah. And he said, no, we don't have that ability. Very strange. What? I'm sure other boats probably did, but my guy was, yeah, couldn't provide that. But I would say just off the back of, because it's 35 k's in a straight line, mm. which yeah, okay. doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was probably closer to the 45, 50 k's. Oh,
2: okay. Would you do it again?
4: No. Not the English no. Channel. I would much rather go and do something, something else. else. Because I just think there's so many other beautiful yeah. swims Boxed around tipped. the world to do. Yes, no. that one's done. No intentions of going and doing oh, it again.
2: What do you, What's next? On the list.
4: I don't know. I need to do something because I tell you what, training for four hours every single day, as you guys know, like when you've had such a huge chunk taken up, like for the past two years, four hours every day was swimming. I need to go and think of something else to now go and fill that time. Because yesterday I was riding around the ferry with with Archer because Mm. (laughs) I can do that now.
2: Yeah. Uh, Is there any other... Big swim? We're just swimming or on land? or what, I'd
4: rather what? swimming because I feel right. like I've worked so hard now to get my body ready for that. And
2: surely, though, you'd know of other swims. There's it? the Ocean
4: Sevens, yeah. which is the seven-channel swims around the world, and only a handful of people have done all seven. I don't know if I would do all of them, but there's definitely – they're great, great swims to do. There's one in New Zealand, so that's at least yeah. nice and close. Mm. Otherwise, try and find one that no one has done before would be pretty cool.
2: Mm.
4: And my swimming coach said, we'll just open up a map. Go so find a swim and off you go. Just pick it and
2: away you yeah. go. Yeah,
4: so I'd like to do something. Oh,
2: just it's outstanding. Outstanding I've, achievement. I've got him. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. And also still, the awareness for got you for life and the money that you've raised. And
4: yeah, it's been um, an amazing two years and everyone that's gotten behind it, like our listeners, you've all been so amazing. The amount of people that contacted me before and after my swim has just been incredible. Mm. So I just yeah, want awesome. to thank everyone and you guys. You've all been so supportive because there were many times when I was sick and I wouldn't come to work, but I'd still go and swim. Um, so, yes, yeah, so no, thanks yeah. everyone. Well for, done, great
0: stuff, well Jay. Well done, yeah. Done, yeah. Well thank well you, guys. Adam Pangilly, morning to you. Morning, Jared. Morning, boys. Not about you, but I'm
5: just feeling tired just listening to Jamie. Speak yeah, about that sounds
1: bit. sounds hard and sounds scary for me. Yeah, not a good combination when something's hard and scary. No,
5: what about the fact, like, she can't see where she's going in the start what, of the swim?
1: What about when she dived in and she was unsure yeah. whether the guys on the boat could see her?
5: Yeah, yeah. That's
1: yeah. freak out for me. In the middle of the ocean, pitch black, unsure. Do they know I'm here?
2: Oh, no. I'm getting out there just 13 hours swimming, oh, swimming is 13 hours I... I just Couldn't put myself through that I just mm. find it so I should say Boring I'd, f- I'd find yeah. swimming boring At least running but You can physically, have a bit of a round hard... Or you can walk or you can... How
1: hard How hard is it swimming in the ocean though? Like Physically Imagine that. Like, oh. I reckon everyone has that conversation around, you know, if you're stuck in the middle of the ocean, how far do you reckon you could get? You know, when you see the yeah, shoreline, yeah, yeah. go, oh, I'll get there easy. Yeah, you'll yeah. be right. Uh, not even close. Jeez. No, that's a great effort. Mate. Very good effort. Twelve and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs>
5: I'm still concerned about the pilot, though, not knowing how far they went. I think she had a budget pilot to get across the channel.
1: Had had the tinny with no GPS. That's a scary start. (laughs) We'll just head towards the light.
2: Uh, I would have turned around. Yeah, I would have
1: said, mate, you've just turned up today. You're not the right person to take me anywhere. You're not my leader. No,
2: we need someone else. Yeah, we'll take your son's
1: boat.
0: (laughs) Adam, tell us about this uh, gelding for Steve O'Day and Matt Hoisted. Uh, uncommon James and what it's going to target after winning at Caulfield on the weekend.
5: Yeah, I wanted to chat about him, Gerard, because we didn't get much of a chance to talk about him after he won that listed Regal Roller down there at Caulfield. He was extremely impressive. A horse that uh, created a bit of an impression as a two-year-old up there in Queensland. Had a long layoff, obviously. A couple of runs back in Queensland this campaign and down to Melbourne, and he was heavily, heavily backed down there for that Regal Roller stakes, and now, Steve O'Day and Matt Hoisted talking about a Group 1 target in the Rupert Clark Stakes at Caulfield next month, which I think would be a really nice race for him. But getting extremely light in the weights, you think under the handicap conditions, he's still lightly raced the horse on the way up. So he's definitely a horse I want to follow this spring, uh, given what we've seen so far. He's got a beautiful racing pattern as well, so definitely one to watch. And uh, he just might be one of the new stars on the scene in Australian racing.
2: Craig Williams going overseas to ride, is he?
5: Yeah, he's heading over to Japan, Loz, for this jockey series in a couple of weeks' time. He's going to miss the first group one day of the the season down there in Melbourne on Memzi Stakes Day, and Craig's had an affinity with Japanese racing for many, many years now. Unfortunately, he hasn't been back for a few years now, given the COVID pandemic, and he has ridden a lot of those Japanese horses when they come down to to Australia for either the the Sydney Spring or the Melbourne Spring Carnival, so he'll head over there. I've always had a theory, boys, that we should try and do something more around having an international jockey series in Australia ourselves. Uh, It's not something we've really doubled in in the past too much, and where we can have a have a big jockey series meeting, say, the day before the Everest, on the Friday before the Everest, or the Friday before the Golden Eagle here in Sydney, or, or something like that, and try and get the likes of the, you know, your Zach Burtons and Joe Marreras from, from Hong Kong down, maybe get someone from Japan or one or two from the Northern Hemisphere, because they do do it well in other parts of the world. And I know our schedule is so crammed down here in Australia, make it hard to try and achieve, but I reckon it's still a market we can probably tap into.
0: Now, track and wind data is to be offered by the ATC, which is another great tool for punters. I'm just on their website now. They're also going to have an app for this. Is that
5: right? Yeah, that's right, Jared. Have you had a chance of a look at it yet? i am just time. got
0: it right in front of me at the moment. Gee, yeah, what a what a great initiative this is.
5: Yeah, I want to make mention of this this morning. It came out yesterday, and they've been working on this for a few months, I believe, the ATC, and, and the visuals and the graphics look absolutely outstanding. So... For the first two tracks that we've done at Ramwick and Rose Hill, we're going to try and roll it out at Canterbury and Warriors Farm afterwards. But for punters and participants, it's a great tool to be able to have a look at and see the wind data from different points of the track, the rainfall data, obviously, everything to do with the track conditions on that day. And as punters, we can never get enough information, in my opinion, uh, and just a matter of what the punter does with that information in terms of disseminating it and using what they want to do. And this is just another great tool we can use for punting. So well done to the ACC. I think it's a really encouraging sign. They're working on some technology like this.
2: Do you like anything today?
5: Yeah, I do. let just check the scratchings because the horse I do like has no rider right declared at the moment. Race five, number six, Ramstein. Uh, I know the scratchings will be finalised the next half hour, but he's first up after a long break, which is a little bit of a concern. But for Gerald and Sterling Stable, we know they get their horses ready fresh. They had a really nice trial. I uh, just think at Canterbury, settling on the speed there, he'll be extremely hard to get past. So, race five, number six, Ramstein is my best bet on the program. And Maybe looking for something at a little bit of odds, I don't mind race six number one Lady Bent for an each way price. Um, she's a horse that failed first up there in a, in a Saturday race where she wasn't ridden out late and she was slowly to stride, but she's much better than that. Her form last operation has got some form around some really nice horses, Lady of Luxury, obviously Bacchanalia, uh, Joviality as well. The form's been standing up pretty well. So, second up, she might take some improvement if she jumps a little bit cleaner. She can probably figure somewhere in the finish at each way price. So Ramstein's the best bet on the program there, which is race five, number six, and the value is race six, number one, Lady Bam.
2: Where's this year's NRL grand final going to be played?
5: Oh, Lord. (sighs) What a saga. What a saga. Um, Listen, I'd be surprised if it's not in Sydney. I I would. I know it's probably a lot closer, what a lot of people think, to going up to Brisbane again, and Peter Bellany's been quite bullish about trying to have some compromise with it. with the state government, it is crunch day today, obviously, and they need to make a decision. You know, in the next 24 to 48 hours, because they need to get some tickets on sale and get some certainty and clarity for a lot of people involved in the series. I'd be desperately disappointed to go to Brisbane again, given that Brisbane had the grand final last year. Yes, they put their hand up to save the competition with the COVID pandemic and the border closures, but I don't know what you think, Lloyd. But I think it belongs in Sydney. I really do.
2: Yeah, I, I was only speaking about this uh, half an hour ago. Like for, for me, I, I want to staying in Sydney, but when I was playing and I know I'm going back years ago now, it always felt for us when you came to Sydney for a semi final, the big games were on. It always felt like a big game. Mm. I was lucky enough at the back end of my career to have home finals, but it just felt like another big game. Mm. Mm. It just felt like another big game at home. Whereas when you knew you had to go to Sydney to play, it always just felt like something different. You always felt like mm. it was a bigger game, much bigger occasion. It was a semi-final. This is where the big games are played, and you got your head around it. I, I, mm. I'd I'd like to see it in Sydney, but I know times change.
5: Yeah, I reckon if they can get some sort of compromise out of the New South Wales government, they'll, they'll probably keep it in Sydney. But I'll go back to the fact that we had Penrith and South, two Sydney teams playing in, at Suncorp Stadium last year, which is unavoidable, obviously. But imagine if we get the same grand final again this year, which is not completely out of the realms of possibility given how both teams are going. And what about the fans who have to might not be able to get to Brisbane for a grand final? They've got less seats. And I, I, it, it sounds a bit silly given that the Queensland teams are actually going well this year in the Cowboys and Broncos. But so I would hate to see a, a Penrith South or a Penrith Roosters or Penrith Power or any of those two Sydney teams playing a grand final this year. And we've got to go to Queensland again. Um, I know people might be saying, take your Sydney hat off and stop being parochial, but I just, I, I really do believe that the grand final should be in Sydney. I'm a big believer in history and tradition. I know we had one there last year in Suncorp Stadium, but let's try and have it back down in Sydney again this year.
0: How about this text? My mate is bringing his family from New Zealand for the grand final. He's paid for everything, not tickets though. Told his young son this morning that it might be moved. He started crying. This is what they don't realise. The fans, move it next year. Cheers the Mocky. Well, I... Uh, hope you're definitely assured short of getting tickets then if you've <laughs> paid for everything else but anyway uh, there's uh, one perspective there mate you have a good day Adam thanks so much See you boys
5: you tomorrow